Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Avenue Show. Today is Thursday, November 9th, in the year of our Lord 2023. Hope everyone is doing well and having a nice start to the holiday season, whether you're even thinking about it or not. You can't go anywhere without seeing Christmas decorations and everything. A little bit ridiculous on my part, but I don't want to be a grouch or grinch or party pooper or anything like that. Um, before we kind of get into all of the hot and heavy sports world stuff, I did want to say that Pop and I are going to do a little bit of a rebranding of the show. Uh, you know, when you hear like grand reopening for a store or, you know, maybe different graphics or whatever. We're from A through Z going to be rebranding and relaunching this show with a little bit of a different feel to it, a little bit of a different flavor, but the same good old stuff. So I just wanted to give you a quick tease on that. There's going to be fresh material, promos, show introduction, all that kind of stuff. Because as everybody knows that listens, a lot of that stuff is outdated. We kind of left the door open for certain people to be able to mix with the show and that type of stuff. But it's the time for us to look at you, to look forward, to prepare for 2024. And no better way than to start off nice and hot and fresh you know what i mean pop so let's uh let's let's get on it man but i'll tell you man um you know a lot of the plans with the network involved my partner here pop dibiase so um we're excited about the future here and i hope as listeners that have stayed loyal to us that it'll be a good enough show that you're maybe talking to your friends about it during your uh lunch breaks and and getting coffee at work or or whatever else or on social media because uh we're going to be bringing it and bringing it pretty hard so pop man you would text me last night about something that kind of went under the radar with everything else going on ron washington my man wash he is now going to be running the shit for the angels i think that's kind of an under the radar great move to a man if you talk to people on the braves Previously on the Astros, wherever he's been a position coach, every player loves Washington. Every player has credited him for being a better baseball player. Every player has credited him for an improvement in their fielding, whether they are already a gold lover or they were just average and got really good. Ron Washington is a difference maker on a baseball team, Pop. Well, you know, Ron, good old Ron, you know what I mean? And you know what? Sometimes you got guys that are so good at being bench coaches and first base coaches and third base coaches and instructors and things of that nature. But can they really manage? That's the biggest question. And I think that Ron did get a chance and it was a chance that it was seen overdue because he was up for management jobs for, I don't know, 10, 15 years before he actually got a job with the um, Rangers. And the funniest thing about it is I'm not very keen. That's the one thing about um, baseball. You, You rarely know who the hell these bench coaches are unless they were a player 
that you followed as, you know, a kid or your team and things like that. You really don't Great know who these bench coaches are. But Ron Washington. It's not like an offensive coordinator or something. That's totally a good point. Right. And Ron Washington's one of these guys that you know because Ron Washington's a real character. He's a real uh, character of the game. You know what I mean? And that's what makes it really fun with him. And also, Ron was a key piece in one of my favorite movies of all time, Moneyball. And, you know, that was him talking to um, Hattenberg, uh, Hattieberg, you know, all that good stuff, telling him how he was going to have to play first base, and it's extremely hard. And that's what, what people think about, you know what I mean? And that was able to to help wash out a lot, is that the Oakland run that he had, and then that movie. And then, you know what, when he got to the Rangers, the Rangers were a lowly team that kept overpaying for talent. And then when he gets there, they probably got the most talented group that they ever, ever had. And he got these guys to the World Series. He couldn't finish the job, but, you know, it is what it is. And then uh, temptation rears its ugly head, but it's okay. He's just a man. And that's why I think that he wasn't able to get a job right away again as a manager because he had to regain the trust of a franchise. And when you have a team like the... Angels who are really at their wits end and they need something that's going to get this thing going because they thought that it was going to work going and getting Maddox because Maddox was the bench coach for John for Socia. Okay, that doesn't work. You fire him before the season's even over. Then you go get who was it? Uh, Aubrey or something like that, old pitcher from uh, who used to play with the Padres. Um, you go get him, he doesn't do much of anything, but. You know, you get you, you do have the MVP though, you do have Shotani, but you still have no playoffs to show for it. Now, with the idea that Shotani's on his way out the door, in my guesstimate, Mike, I feel like what they're doing with Wash here is you're bringing in Wash so then he can go ahead and help you develop the farm. Because I think the Angels have to think about this in, in general. Let's get if Shotani leaves, let's just clear him. Let's just clear it. Let's just clear it and figure out but how you make, you make a really good point though about about the uh, about the farm because yeah. because he, he like you said he's really really good at dealing with youngsters and helping them develop their game right and the angels haven't had necessarily a ton of development so to speak you know uh, they've got some guys here and there but really the biggest score was trout. Right. But since right. then, they've had some guys here and there, but he's really good with the development aspect. By the way, I know I kind of uh, sideswiped your thought a little bit, but you did say no, something, you're good. Uh, you did say something that made me kind of kind of chuck a little bit when you said about the temptation. Now, if people don't know what Pop is talking about. I don't want to get into the specifics. I don't want to do my my man wash like that. But I will say in general. He was one of the OGs to see the dark side of social media, right? And to me, that should have been like a loud and obvious, you know, kind of like lesson for everybody in the world. If you're going to party, if you're going to do certain things, trust the people that are around you. Just know that everybody's got cell phone cameras and takes pictures and has plenty of proof. You got to trust the people that you're with. I'm not saying that one should be or shouldn't be partying or whatever, but hey, sometimes, like you said, there's a little bit of temptation. 
So to me, it becomes inexcusable when you have guys, let's, uh, I'm not going to mention names, let's just say you're hired as a head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then to be talking about your uh, high moral upbringing and character, but then to be seen with like 18-year-old skanks in pictures, right? That kind of stuff right. is going to do you in. Do you in. So he was kind of like an early poster child for that concept. And it's amazing to me how many people haven't learned since then. It should almost be called the Ron Washington rule because he was at the wrong place at the right time. Had he done what he did a couple years earlier, nobody would have known anything. Right. And he didn't, right. you know, he didn't kill anybody. He didn't do anything like that ridiculous. He just uh, party favors. And it's probably not a good look. When you have your head guy, your manager, your CEO, or whatever, you know, you don't want to see them, you know, whatever, smoking weed or even beer bogging or doing anything that's kind of perceived to be kind of ridiculous. You know what I mean, Pop? So I just wanted to bring that aspect up of he was one of the originals, the OGs on, you know, getting into trouble by doing something that so many thousands of other people have done. Do the same thing that so many others have done. So, um, lesson learned. And he paid a big price, Pop. Like you said, he got to the World Series. He had done a really good job. Um, and by all accounts, everybody liked it. You know, but the team's hand was tied. They didn't, they didn't have any other options. You know what I mean? So, I think it's a good hire. The other one I wanted to talk to you about, Pop, was what the hell happened in Cubs land? Because I thought everybody liked Rossi. I thought he got more out of his team. He's a, one of those former catchers, and you know how like teams love that kind of stuff. I didn't even think his job was on the line. And then, boom, blink of an eye, he's gone. On the same day, Craig Council's there, sideswiped David Ross's job. What the F, man? What's it? Well, you, you know, I'm going to keep it real with you. I have to agree with the move. I didn't like the way that they finished at all. If I was the owner as well, too, I would have to say, you know what? What is it that is what is it going to take for the Cubs to be back in first place? Because I can't go through this anymore because you've had expectations. You had expectations. I've supplied you with great rosters and you're still failing. Chicago's a different standard now. We won a World Series back in 2016. We lost that manager because, you know, he did, he wasn't good anymore. He, we had to let him go. And now you come into the mix, and we expected big things from you because you're a catcher player and all that good stuff. But maybe you might be goofing around too much in the dugout. You know, maybe you might be just too buddy-buddy with the players. We need somebody who's going to really be able to delegate this thing. And when you think about Craig Council, Craig Council has had nothing but success in Milwaukee, regardless of how anybody feels. When was the last time Milwaukee missed the playoffs in this decade? Yeah, 2022. So what? But other than that, they've been in the playoffs the whole time, and they were very close to going to the World Series as well, too. I know that a lot of people probably say, well, you know, um, uh, well, it, it's because, you know, uh, they they have players that got hurt. And so, you know, things didn't go the way that they wanted to go. But they've developed some great pitching over there in uh, Milwaukee. They've developed a great lineup and they have a good system. 
Now you get even better resources here with the Chicago Cubs. You got a better roster with the Cubs as well, too. And that's what pisses me off the most, Mike, is that they had the roster that was good enough to win that sorry, sorry division at the end of the day. Because that wasn't a good I don't, I don't division. Know if I agree there. I, I don't know if I, I think you're overrating the roster a little bit. I mean, if they were so good, you know, none of us like predicted them to win the division or anything. I mean, it wasn't that good but mike i said the whole time though i said if the cubs figure out that they have the guys to get to the uh to, to the playoffs they can be special and that's exactly what happened for a good two months we got down to the final week of the season and they made way too many mistakes that was on the manager because he was overthinking the situation and he wasn't adjusting properly they lost they atlanta wasn't even trying to win those games and they still wound up uh winning those games and pretty much that is is i think what did it for the owner and the general manager they wanted a new voice and when craig council became available they said we need more of a person who's going to delegate and be more of a politician with this team and not be their buddy well you might be right about that you know Again, I, I thought he did – I thought he got more out of the team than I expected him. I didn't expect them to be in the playoff thick of things. But, you know, obviously the ownership felt the same way that you feel, Pop. So, I mean, you're speaking truth. I, I just thought this was an interesting offseason. And obviously, you know, there's not a lot of baseball talk right now. There's a lot more to talk about. So we won't spend a ton of time on this. But it's worth noting this was an interesting offseason in that you had teams – fire coaches or managers that were on the hot seat guys that were not on the hot seat guys who had gotten more out of their teams than expectation than what was expected of them like Gabe Kapler I mean the guy had like 108 win season two years ago with and they had no business of winning even like 95 games I don't know how they pulled that off you know the Giants have been exceeding expectations each and every year but they got rid of him I don't know. Is Bob Melvin going to be a lot better? I, I don't know. Uh, but I do know that this is an interesting offseason because we really haven't seen this many managers who have done relatively well get canned out of the blue. And I think it's overreactionary. I think that you need to give guys in baseball at least a five-year window. I don't think it's like the win now like the NFL because there's a lot more development in a farm system. And so to really, really, yeah, would you love it to be three years or less? Sure. But to me, I think there has to be a little bit of patience. And as long as you're seeing positive things happening on a year-by-year -year basis. Now, I want to mention something real quick that you said about Ross. He may have been too chummy with the guys. Like the guy just retired a handful of years ago. So he kind of is like the old catcher on the team. Uh, which, by the way, is what got Stephen Vought the job or vote or whatever his pronunciation is for Cleveland. He's the successor to Francona, and we could talk about that for a minute. But that guy was just hitting home runs for the A's like two seasons ago and for the Giants, and now he's the manager. I'm not sure if everybody caught that news or not. Um, but Ross, I think, was also maybe a little too chummy-chummy with the media because he had just come from ESPN. I think all those things did him in, Pop. I think you're right. I mean, I think you kind of nailed it. Right.
Because sometimes you got to be short and sweet with these people. You can't sit up there having a whole big conversation and then slightly talk, dogging players, you know, but comic jokingly and things like that and possibly giving away little secrets and little hints here and there to where other teams and other people hear this stuff and then you lose. You know what I mean? And I do you know, know what you mean. Huh? Yeah. I just, do know what you mean, yeah. And you just got to focus in on the job at hand. This is why Dave Roberts doesn't lose his job, because Dave Roberts knows how to handle the media. When the media is ready to just, he knows how to always say, you know what, you're right, okay, move on. You know what I mean? Then why does Boone have a job? That guy, Aaron Boone. Okay, I can totally explain that. Why does he have a job? Because he's out out. He, his expectations have been outdone. You know, like, he has not gotten what they expected out of him, right? Right, but you know what, though? He has a valid excuse. Just like Dave. Dave Roberts, to me, was never, was always safe. You know what I mean? Because he did not have his team. And the Dodgers really exceeded expectations now when you think about it. Um, and then when you look at the Yankees, when you don't have the Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The Dodgers losing to the Diamondbacks exceeded expectation? No, it's not about the Dodgers losing to the Diamondbacks. That didn't exceed expectations. I'm talking about, did you, Mike, you sat right here on the show and was like, I don't think that they it's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs this year. The Padres are going to run away with the division, blah, 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 blah. And the Padres True. finished 25 games behind the Dodgers. Okay, so that didn't happen. So what I'm saying is they exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Everybody said it was a rebuild year. People didn't even have them winning 90 games this year. So they did exceed expectations in a sense. But when they got to the playoffs, they did not perform the way that you would want them to perform because they didn't have their horses. They didn't have re- their resources. And then we all come to find out Kershaw had a shoulder issue, but we knew that all, all season long. The guy only played three months last year. To be honest with you, nobody even brought that up that he was playing. Okay, so he, how does all this relate to, to Boone's situation? Because well, I don't think he's let, 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 <laughs> let me get there. Um, when it comes to Boone, Boone's situation is you had a lot of hurt players and guys were not healthy this year. And then when they tried to make moves, the moves weren't good moves. I don't feel like Boone had to be put out like that because Boone survived somewhat of a year where you were dealing with the toughest division probably ever in baseball, period. You had a division where everybody was winning in the division and you were able to still kind of stay afloat. And I think what saved his job was having a good September because, you know, he he had a real rough uh, go of it for a moment there. But he was able to recover. He was able to get him above 500. And you know what? They just did not have a Yankees type roster this year once Judge got hurt. Because usually the Yankees can have somebody that's going to step in and be huge in that role. But this year, they were dealing with a lot of younger players. So you have to give them a chance to develop. And you know what? They got a great relationship going on in the front office. And possibly the reason why Kapler and reason why Ross and these guys got fired is because they didn't have the greatest relationship with the front office. And you know what? They're not going to put these guys on blast because in baseball, they want everything ho-hum, nice and cool. And yeah, but that's, that's kind of speculative, Pop, about the, the relationships or whatever. 
And they'll, a good team will not disclose that. But we're up against a commercial break. We're actually a little bit late for it. So let's take our quick time out. We'll come back. We'll wrap this up nice and neat. And we will delve into NFL and all the other good stuff that you guys want to hear about. As always, social media, at PopDiBiase, at Mike Abadir on the Twitter. Feel free, to hit us, feel free to hit us up with any kind of comments, feedback, topics, etc. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back right after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Yeah, I don't know, Pop. I mean, I think I think if you use the same criteria and analysis that you gave me for Rossi, Kapler, etc., I just find it hard to make a case for Aaron Boone. It's not just about this year, Pop. I know that there were injuries. But don't they always say injuries are not an excuse, right? But it's not just about this year. It's about last year, the year before. The Yankees have been predicted to win that division how many times in a row? And how many times in a row have they not won the division? And how many World Series have their rival, the Red Sox, been to and won? I think all of that is a part of the picture. A lot of that is part of the pressure. But I think there's also one other component, which is do they have anybody better? in mind and who who would that be and is that coming from boone's staff and if it is how are they different than boone himself and i think a lot of those things go into it one other last thing that i want to mention pop get your take on it is 
Are you telling me that this unheard of bench coach is better than Buck Showalter? Like, really? The Mets got rid of like a legend and instead got somebody that nobody knows about. They didn't even make a splash. I don't know, man. I, I don't I don't get it. I want to get your take on that. And then there's one other thing I want to get to back to Washington for a second, which is, and maybe we can start with this real fast before we talk about the Mets. Do you think that the Angels got Shohei's feedback on Washington? Is it possible that Shohei has heard so many good things about Washington that he said, I'll come back if you guys get this guy? Or is it kind of like you were alluding to, they know they ain't keeping Shohei, so you might as well go in the direction that has nothing to do with Shohei at all. What do you think? Um, I think they're just focused in on who's going to manage their team. They don't need no in- input from Shotani. They needed. They wanted to go ahead and overall tell themselves that this is the guy that we we're going to put in here to lead this team, and hopefully, we'll, we we can talk this guy back into coming here. And maybe Ron could be a, a factor in that. But in reality, though, you have to focus in on. Uh, R- Rendon, you had to focus in on Mike Trout because you do have some stars still here. And I truly do feel that the Angels need to just blow the whole thing up. What the day Showtani signs with another team, then that's what you guys need to start willing and dealing with all these teams at the winter meetings and seeing wh- who's the highest bidder for these fellas because you guys can get yourself, you guys can flip this roster right now. And, you know, brand new GM, brand new manager, brand new uh, lineup. And there we go. You know, that's how I'm looking at the Angels right now is that it's going to be a blow up. And that's why they brought Ron Washington so that he can develop the young players. But I think, too, at the same time, they're going to use the old salesman, uh, you know, the old uh, uh, salesman uh, pitch, you know, because that's what Ron can do is sell. And, you know, maybe he can go in there and maybe talk him into sticking around. But I think that Shotani's mind is already made up. And um, I think he's gone because I think that, you know, them doing what they did at the trade deadline to show them that they were serious about winning, that was nice, that was cool. But you know what? This isn't a winning situation right now because it's a situation that has to really figure itself out. The Angels were at their absolute best when they used to develop guys through the farm and they didn't rely on having uh, big-time free agents. Yes, they have lag of Guerrero, Bartolo Colon, but these were top-notch, uh, top-end players at the time as well, too, that needed the, this market to really bust out as stars. So that's a different that's a different animal. That's a different beast. Mike Socia was one of the best managers at that time as well, too fresh off of being the Dodgers catcher for 15 years. So, you know, it, it was a lot of things that worked out well for the Angels then, and I think they're trying to figure out how do we reinvent that. We have to go with the basics, and that's exactly what I see them doing. I think you make a lot of sense, man. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think that there's a need to balance balance issues in a way that is independent of players. Player decisions, I should say, to a degree. Because who's to say that so he says, we want this guy, but then that guy is just no good. So you're going to base the entire decision on one guy's input just because he's a superstar? 
No, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So I think the angle that you're coming at it with is probably the most sensible one. And overall, I would have to agree with it, Top. So let's take a step onto the gridiron here because there's a lot of NFL stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to start with my, my Dolphins getting waxed by the Chiefs. I think we said it both last week. This was going to be the test because the Dolphins haven't fared well against good teams. Tua has not felt fared well against good teams. And this year, for the third time, when they faced a good team, they've lost. Their offense doesn't look the same when they're playing against good teams. And how do you define good teams? A team that can move the ball offensively and a team that's defense doesn't suck. And that's a really low barometer for what a good team is. Because now I'm going back and looking at their wins, you know, and you look at Denver. They beat them, you know, 70 to whatever. Well, they don't have an offense that moves the ball consistently, and their defense does suck, right? And you look at each of their wins, and that's kind of the formula. They played against a team that doesn't have very good offense, doesn't have very good defense. But then when they got to play the Eagles, the Bills, and the Chiefs, their defense didn't hold up, and their offense didn't move the ball. Are the Dolphins kind of a fraud? I hate to say it because I love the Dolphins, but are they are they really not a true contender? It's more they're kind of like the team in baseball that hits a lot of home runs, but is uh, but don't really have a good hitting team, and they've got no pitching. Is that NFL version of the Dolphins? Nope. The Dolphins are going through the rites of passage, man. That's what it is. And I think that when it comes down to this final seven weeks of the season for them, they're going to show exactly who they truly are. And the way that they've been able to dominate the middling teams in the NFL, the bad teams in the NFL, it tells you that, you know what, they're not that far away. It's that they need to have their defense catch up with their offense in big-time games. Their defense needs to be able to get the, get stops just like their offense is getting stops. Now, pretty much what um, McDaniels has shown is that he can put together the plays to get his team back in a game. He can put together the plays to get his team points. But what you need is you need that defense to be intact. You need that defense to be um, – the calling card you need that to be helpful but this is what happens when you have a great offense defenses can get comfortable and this is what the problem is is that the defense should not be playing comfortable and i think when it comes down to it the afc is just a tough conference in general and when you look at the games where they were at they were all on the road we haven't seen any great teams walk into miami yet and I think when you walk into Miami, that's a different animal. You got to just beat down Miami like that because you're dealing with the humidity. You're dealing with the raucous crowd as well, too. And so, you know, I want to see how they look against a good team at home. And that can really give me the judgment of what's going on. But the reason why they lost to the teams that they lost to is because those teams are better. Um, the Buffalo Bills right now, I think the Buffalo just caught them kind of slipping because Buffalo – knew that they couldn't mess around. You know what I mean? They almost lost in the playoff game last year. They weren't taking any chances. Um, when it comes down to the Eagles, the Eagle game, 
it really went in a certain it went in a, a a weird way but the the dolphins were somewhat in that game where they could have won that game and they just couldn't finish and the chiefs game they just started too late you know they got they they spotted them 21 and they got 14 and they got three opportunities to tie the game and they weren't able to do it i think that what has to happen is they have to have somebody outside of tyree kill but Tyreek Hill is the point man that gets everything going for that team. And so when you can go ahead and contain um, when you can contain the cheetah, the rest of the team gets kind of shut down a little bit because the cheetah really opens up the field for him. So they're going to have to figure out who's going to be the guy that can be our guy that gets to a going when they're containing the cheetah. And I would say everybody says Waddle, but I want to see them start doing a little bit more with Barrios because I feel like Barrios is a little bit more um is a little bit more um I would say clutch than uh Waddle. Waddle was really good, but Waddle's really not healthy a lot. You know what I mean? He's always at some point it's a back situation, a shoulder situation, an ankle situation, and he's on the sideline. You know, but they need more. They don't. This is the one team that doesn't have like one of these dominant, versatile tight ends. Their tight end is more of a blocking tight end. So things are a little different for Miami because Miami's team is structured a little bit differently. But you got Jalen Ramsey coming back. You're going to be back in America. And this goes back to what you were saying, Mike. I think if we would have played this game in Kansas City, Miami probably would have won. But we played this game in Germany. And Germany, it just seems like guys don't get going fast in the, when they play there. Like, if you get down, you're going to get down a few points, but then you're going to get your trash into you, and then you'll get back in games. But this always really is, is like, ugh, I don't like this. You know what I mean? Because I feel like you're putting too much pressure on these guys. They shouldn't be doing all this damn traveling in, the, in midseason. And then, you know, they want to see go out and see a country. And it's just not a good idea. So I feel like, you know, if you would have the Dolphins in America playing this game, it probably would have went a little differently for them. I can't argue that. I think you make sense. But with that said, I'm still not very – the Dolphins have yet to show me that they have the ability to be able to keep up with the good teams. They just need to do it now. You know, they need to make it happen. You know, you can't keep making excuses for losses. That's, that's I guess, that's really the, the gist of the situation. Uh, keeping it moving, um, are we in agreement that the Eagles are the best team in football? Because I see some people jumping on the Ravens bandwagon. Uh, I'm not even sure the Ravens are a top three in my power ratings. Who do you have at the top of your power ratings, and where do you have the Eagles and the Ravens? Let's start with that. Well, I got the Eagles number one, and I got the Ravens number three. And the Ravens moved up to number three simply because their division is tough, and you got to put them at number three. I would have put them over the Chiefs, but I just can't do that to the Chiefs because the Chiefs are the defending champions, and the Chiefs have proven that they can – that they can really rip apart some of the better teams in the NFL. The Ravens are are where they are because 
They've been so dominant in a lot of these games since starting the season off three and two. And then since that point, they've won five games in a row and they've been absolutely dominant in these games. Like these games haven't even been close, but who are they playing and who are you going against? You know, you're going against Detroit on a week where, you know, you got some guys that are banged up and things like that, and they hadn't played a game. They hadn't played against a team really since like the Ravens, since they played the Chiefs. And so, you know what? They were a little bit of a tired team when they came in there. They got beat down. Seattle on the uh, uh, Seattle, same thing. Seattle had an absolute war with Cleveland the week before. They come into um, Baltimore absolutely flat. You know, Geno's really a backup quarterback, as I keep trying to tell everybody. Is like I like Geno, but you know what? Stop depending on Geno Smith to get you home. Geno Smith is going to be good for you for two or three games, and then when people figure it out, it's over with. And, um, you know, right now, Seattle may need to think about possibly making a quarterback change, you know? You know, uh, hard to argue that. Geno Smith has just not been – uh, look, he last year he had a career year, and in baseball this ter- term is used a lot more, which is fluke. A lot of times you have this 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 fluky season for a guy, he puts up career numbers, never able to match it again. Pretty sure that's what's going on with Geno Smith. Uh, you know, with that said, this team is two games above 500. They have the same record as division leader San Francisco. I think it would be really tough to make a quarterback switch unless there's a guy in the waiting who is just on fire and really, really making it difficult for Uncle Pete and company to be able to just sit there and, and not do anything about it. Uh, but I, I don't think that Drew Locke is that guy. I don't think he's necessarily going to push Geno Smith to the limits and make it really tough and kind of force uh, Pete Carroll's hand. Um, I do, but... Okay. I, I think do. that's me, understandable. Let me get 30 seconds real quick and explain why. Drew okay, Locke go Drew Locke was good in Denver when he had some guys that were out there doing when he had some receivers that were getting open for him. And he had a little bit of a run game behind him. This is a much better team. This is a much better roster. Drew Locke has to be your guy. I'm sorry. Drew Locke it it'll work, Mike. It will work. I promise you. It will work. Okay. I think that's a plausible explanation. So I will agree with you. The Eagles are the cream of the crop. They're the class of the NFL. Really close behind is the Chiefs. Now, that could potentially get a Super Bowl rematch. You know, and I don't know how much people would like that or wouldn't like that. I think it would be kind of cool because you have two really good teams and let's give Philly an opportunity now to be able to you know, uh, even even the series up between those two teams. So Philly and Kansas City are the top two for me. But I'm going to have a little bit of a surprise at number three, Pop. I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Team that's won five in a row. A team that has really every game they've played outside of one has been really good. And keep in mind, man, they, they held Kansas City to 17 points. You know, uh, so their defense was able to lock up Kansas City pretty well. And, you know, they've beaten some teams on the road. You know, they've took care of business against Buffalo. They beat the Saints and the Steelers on the road. 
And I don't care how good or how not good the Steelers and the Saints are. But, you know, at the same time, winning on the road in the NFL is really, really difficult. And you're talking about a Saints team who, who leads uh, their, their division and a Pittsburgh Steelers team who is five and three and second in their division. The Jags, to me, are the number three team very quietly, very sneakily. And then I will go with the, the Ravens, the Lions, and San Francisco would be my number six team. Dallas would be my number seven team. And Minnesota, believe it or not, would be my number eight team. Uh, actually tied with Buffalo as my number eight team. That's, you know, you know what, though? I'm going to have a three-way tie. Excuse me, folks. Four-way tie. Excuse me. You got to include Cleveland and Cincinnati in the mix, too. I guess that would be my top ten overall. I think I just went ten slots. Basically, those are my top ten teams. But my top, my top three are Philadelphia, Kansas City, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. What do you think about the Jags, man? Well, I got the Jags. I got the Jags number four in my in my group because you know I do my NFL rankings every week. And you guys, if you're listening to the show, you follow me on Twitter. Don't miss my early odds because my odds are better than my odds. They literally need to just put me over here at the new uh, hotel in Vegas at the Fontaine blue. Cause they'll be killing everybody every weekend. If they just let me be the line maker for the NFL next year. So, um, <laughs> uh, we had, um, well, let's take it we had... we're off because we're way over. And okay. when we come back, let's make sure that people actually can uh, find your top, uh, power ratings and in, in your show and everything. So, We'll leave that on the other side of the break. Stay with us, everyone. We'll take a very quick break. We'll come back right after this. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Pop, give the good people that want to listen to more Pop DiBiase, want to get more depth into your power ratings, where and how can they do that? Well, you know, you guys can always catch me on the uh, – you guys can always catch me at Prime Wave Media. That's my YouTube page. I got a lot of different shows and a lot of different content on there. I always cut up a lot of my segments and everything like that, so you don't have to sit there and watch the whole show for an hour and things like that if you don't want to. If you want to just go to a straight segment and things like that, but you guys can catch me on Prime Wave Media Live. You guys can talk to me as well, too, because the Primetime Angles is live every single day, but you know, you guys can always watch the replays as well, too. But we also have Tuesdays where we have NFL Bet Exchange, and we have breakdown every single game and give out our bets that's me and uh east coast uh sports investors uh founder and head honcho my good friend jeff dawson aka the don of cape cod so you know he's a um that's that's a fun little show that we do right there but you guys can always catch that on my twitter you guys can catch that on my show as well too and you guys can always get your power rankings and all that good stuff and do not miss the weekly conference bets list i will be having that unveiled tomorrow i know i haven't been doing it earlier in the week like i usually do but I just want to make sure we got accurate lines going into Saturday uh, morning, uh, Mike. So, because we have always wanted to spend more time on the games themselves, the upcoming games, let's do so today. We have a shortened segment because we are so late on the break. Let's just jump right into some of these ball games this weekend. The, the the most intriguing matchup to me is features the, my number three and number five or six, depending on how the tiebreaker goes for the Mike Avenir power rankings. The Jags hosting the San Francisco 49ers. To me, I think that's the best and most intriguing matchup of the entire weekend. There are a couple other sneakily good matchups too, like the Lions and the Chargers. Let's see what the Lions can do on the road in the West Coast. I think that'll be pretty interesting. I think the Steelers and the Packers has some interest to me. Definitely the Vikings and the Saints Mm -hmm. is interesting. Um, Probably the second most interesting, though, behind the Niners and the Jags is the Ravens and the Browns. That's going to be a slugfest. That's going to be a great matchup. Old Cleveland against new Cleveland. For those old enough to know that reference, they'll know what I mean. But let's start with Jacksonville and San Francisco. How does this shake out? I'm going to tell you like this before I even give you my uh, winner for this one. NBC, you're effing up, brother, because there's no way the Raiders Jets is better than the Jags and the 49ers coming up on Sunday. And there's no way it's better than the Browns and the Ravens either. Oh, yeah. And there's no way it's better than the well, Chargers is on the last two weeks on national television. So we can scrap that idea. But you get my drift, though, Mike. Right. You get my drift. Right. We got. Is that how how this game ended up on Fox? What? the the Yeah, that's how the game ended up on Fox because. I didn't know that. Okay. And but you know what? The um, but all in all, though, I like the 49ers on the bounce back. 
The um, Jaguars have won five in a row. The Jaguars are the fourth ranked team on my on my list. And then I have the San Francisco 49ers seventh. The Niners dropped from two to seven because, you know, they had lost three in a row. I had them as the number two team going into when they were five and two. And then when they got smoked by the Bengals, it was like, damn. But, you know, I had them number seven and going against the Jags number four. So that's pretty good right there. And, you know, I got your Dolphins at five. I got the Lions at six. I got the Cowboys at eight. And I got the Bengals at nine and the Bills at 10. And the Browns are at 11 with the Steelers at 12. So my my chart is is really like a lot of really good teams playing against each other. Because, like, how I see that San Francisco game, I'll be real honest with you. I think that the defense is going to be the calling card. It's going to be the under for this game. Expect the game to be a little ugly. It's going to wind up being 20 to 10. Watch watch, watch how it works. But the points are going to come late from the Jags. The Niners are going to get out early, and then they're just going to get comfy. Well, the line itself is interesting because I think it's a little bit disrespectful to the Jags. The Niners are coming in, road favorites, going coast to coast, west coast, east coast to Florida. Um, and the Jags don't get any respect. They're getting three points at home. I'm going to take the Jaguars, especially because I have them as my number three power rating team. And they've got the Niners below them. They're at home. I think Jacksonville takes care of business. Another line that's kind of disrespectful, though, is the Ravens in Cleveland. I don't think Cleveland is getting a lot of love here. Division matchup, both winning teams. Getting six and a half points on the road to the Ravens. How does this one shake out? Okay, Mike, you know how it is, and you know, um, you know, you know, for my my sports betting past, I'm very well versed on why the lines makers did this, and they did it because simply they know if they put anything else than a six and a half, everybody's going crazy on the Ravens. If they would have laid it out at a four and a half where I had it at when I did my early line, everybody would have ate that four and a half up with the idea that they'll win by seven. This is a way to go ahead and really try to go ahead and make the Ravens the, the, uh, the big, the, the, the bigger percentage to make the Ravens an 80 to 85% bet on the spread. So then you can go ahead and really mess them up because you know, this game is probably going to finish up with the Ravens winning by three, but you're giving everybody the idea that they're going to win by a touchdown because they've been that great at home and they beat the Browns by 25 last time they played. So they're just going off of what have you done for me lately? They're not that confident in what the Browns can do in Baltimore because of what's been happening. But if they make the line two and a half, it's going to be too dominant to uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. And so pretty much what you want to do is you want to kind of trick everybody into really paying on that money line so they don't have to worry about a spread at all. And so pretty much what happens here is that you get a lot of money on that, say, what is that? I think minus 375 or something right now. And that's what you're going to probably get or minus 300 or something of that nature. I don't I don't have it right in front of me, but I know that that's what they're trying to do is trying to get betters to over bet on the Ravens to go ahead and see if they can lock that in. But I like the Browns as well, too. But I think that the Ravens might be a bit too much for the Browns in this one. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to take the I'm going to take the Ravens. Uh, excuse me. I'm going to take the Browns here against the Ravens because the win? In the straight la- up. I'm going to take the Browns to win straight up. 
because yeah, I want the Browns to win straight up too. But the 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 heart of hearts is saying, you know what? I'm ready for them to lose if they lose. You know what I mean? Okay, but look, <laughs> I, I I hear you. But look, they have split against the Ravens every single year for as far back as you can look. Okay, last year they beat them by ten. And they limited them. It was 13 to 3. And then they lost by 3. And the, that was 23 to 20. So last year, they gave up a total of 23 points against the Ravens. from Both games combined. This year, they've already played. And Baltimore waxed them. That was before Cleveland got into their group. They put up 28 against the Browns. So I think they've hit their scoring limit. Uh, obviously, I'm joking. But I think that these teams, because they split every year, Cleveland comes in, I think they've got the better defense. I think it's going to show. And I think that they beat Baltimore in this matchup. I'm going to take a low-scoring affair, man. I'm going to say 17-14, to Cleveland comes out on top. And real quick, Mike, you have to understand, too, they had DTR playing that day. And DTR did not know until 30 minutes before the game he was starting. So there was a lot of things that the Ravens got it, the Ravens pretty much got a good situation handed to them, and nobody knew that was going to happen. And they were the dogs coming into that game as well, too. Right. Well, we got to wrap this up, Pop. So, uh, I guess uh, one more game for the masses. Anything stand out where you're like, you know what, man? I love this matchup. Um, I would say this. I would say the – game that I really like a lot this weekend is the Commanders and the Seahawks. And right now, I'm going to let you know, Mike, that is going to be my one of my big dogs. But my dog bet of Week 10 is going to be the Packers going to Pittsburgh and getting the upset, beating the uh, Steelers by three because Jordan Love is just going to be able to do his thing against that Steelers defense. Not, because not, Kenny Pick is going to mess him up. I hear you, man. I'm going to take the Chargers, a team that you've been high on since day number one. I'm going to take the Chargers to beat Detroit. Detroit is not a Hold team up. that necessarily plays great on grass uh, or plays well away from home. I'm going to take the Chargers. I think they're being disrespected here. You're the Char- Chargers winning this game straight up. That's all the time we got, though, Pop. I wish we could go Damn. through every game. Check out Pop DiBiase every week. He brings it hard, dissects the games inside and out with his man, Jeff, as he said. So, as always, <laughs> big thank you to Voice America. Thank you to my man, Jordan, who always takes care of business behind the scenes. Thank you to Pop DiBiase for being the best winning man known to mankind. And most importantly, thank you to the listener. Without you, there is no show. With that said, we will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.